Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Ottawa Senators Edition. We are joined by Ari from Silver 7 Sens, which is the Ottawa Senators blog on the SB Nation Network. Ari, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thank you for hanging out with us. So, since this is the first time we're seeing the Sens this season, I just want to start a little bit broadly. Um, So the Sens are hanging out in the basement, which I guess is probably what was expected right like you know they're doing a thing here is is this team tanking on purpose or is this are they just not good i think what's actually really really funny is that if you polled most sense fans they would say that this is probably better than we thought we'd be (laughs) which is really interesting this is a team that's finished in 30th and 31st in the last two seasons um, widely presumed by almost everyone to be in the bottom five. Um, again, I remember when Dom from The Athletic wrote a post polling fan bases on where he thought um, his their, their teams were going to end. Um, Ottawa Sanders fans were more pessimistic than the average. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so we're, so what we're very much used to. And I think the fact that um, while the team is still there in terms of standings points, but but not really there in terms of some shot metrics or goals or um, their penalty kill, they're they're not in the bottom five. They're hovering around like 18th to 23rd in the league. Um, we are actually a little bit scared that maybe we're not tanking and we're going to finish in a <laughs> in a mediocre spot and not maybe get the best pick that we should have so ah the philadelphia flyer strategy you finish 14th to 16th and you just end up with nothing (laughs) no of course of course it's not a fun place to be so i do not envy the position um one of the things that seems to be going quite well for the team at the moment is the play of your goaltender anders nilsson the most fantastic handsome young man (laughs) he is quite handsome isn't he but he's been pretty lights out is this something that you expected to see from him or has this been a surprise I think it's been a surprise that said knowing that all goaltenders can kind of go through a 5-10 game period where they're lights out he's 950 over the last three um, and he was really hot I think when he came over from Vancouver mm-hmm. uh, in a trade for a depth player Tom Pyatt and a pick um, but I think Nielsen signed for our next year um, the goaltender of the franchise, Craig Anderson, as he's been for the last decade, one of Brian Murray's best trades, is likely retiring after this season. Mm. Um, so I think it's really good for the team that Nielsen's stepped up, so to speak. Uh, he seems like a great leader in the room. And even if his play maybe doesn't continue, Nielsen, is, I think, is very much the transition goaltender, while the team has a couple of prospects in the pool, some in Belleville and some in juniors. Um, trying their way to see if they're going to be the next starter over the next two, three, four seasons. Okay, so let's stick with positive things because I think it's super easy for fans of other hockey teams to just try to dunk on the Ottawa Senators, but that's not fair. So <laughs> tell me what else has been going well for the team. I think um, Peugeot has been playing well. Mm-hmm. Chuck, is that right? Yeah, what's been going well for the team so far? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, there's two kinds of 
I think, themes with what's been going well. Um, one of them is the play of Brady Kachuk. I think the almost kind of quintessential Philadelphia flyer, if you believe it or not. Um, <laughs> I can see that, yeah. <laughs> and where um, I think there were fans when he was first drafted, including myself, and I will out myself as someone who was kind of questioning the pick. I was very much like a Philip Zadina or Quinn Hughes kind of person, and who knows how that's going to turn out in the next five years. Um, but Brady has channeled his Boston University days and his U.S. development program days into becoming a fantastic um, NHL right off the bat. He was a first liner as of as soon as he arrived last season. And he played with Mark Stone, who's now in Vegas. And I think a lot of folks thought that Stone created Kachuk. And although I think he very much did in a way, um, most were expecting Kachuk to take a step back and he scored the very first goal of the season. And he scores all of his goals within five feet of the net um, and has almost a friendship tour around the league in the most sarcastic way of every time <laughs> there's a game is someone is mad at Brady Kachuk and it's been fantastic. Um, Sens fans are very much scarred from earlier in the, in the 2000s when teams were really, when the team was really good. Ottawa always used to get beat by teams that had like a the Gary Roberts type in the old Ottawa-Toronto series. Philadelphia, when Ottawa played them, was always a tougher team. And the fact that Ottawa has one of the toughest, most skilled players in the league now in Kachuk is something that when the team is successful again, um, it'll be really exciting to watch him in a seven-game playoff series. Um, so the play of Kachuk is one. The second is the play of... The team has a whole bunch of players who are... Um, going to be expired free agents soon, both unrestricted and restricted. Jean-Gabriel Pajot is one. Vladislav Nemestikov, who was brought over from the Rangers, is another. Um, Both of those players have started really, really well. Um, And I think it remains to be seen whether Pierre Dorian will do, um, will actually trade them, because the team also needs NHLers to play for them in the next two, three seasons. And outside of um, Bobby Ryan and Colin White and Kachuk. There's not many signed up front, um, and I think, I think they're still. We're still kind of wondering who will actually be signed and who will actually be traded. Um, but mm-hmm. the the UFAs are hot right now. Yeah, it's kind of, it's so interesting, kind of watching the way things are unfolding with this team. Like I know, um, I mean, quite a lot of like super smart hockey people are Ottawa Senators fans. And I have talked with them about kind of where the team is headed. Um, And I wonder, I mean, I hate to, I mean, not to be like super dark or anything, but I wonder if the owner of the team not being there anymore for, you know, morbid reasons is the only way that this team is going to actually turn around. Cause like you said, you got to have players to play on the team, right? You have to have guys under contract and Melnick doesn't seem to be super willing to pay anyone. So I just, I, I wonder what's going to happen. Like, is it just going to be a bunch of guys on ELCs making league minimum? Like, I don't know. I don't know how it works. Yeah, and I think if for fans of the Flyers and other folks who may be listening, um, I don't know if everyone realized how much the Suns are actually underpaying um, their their team right now to the point where where there were they're maybe paying people um, around like thirty thirty nine to forty five million in actual salary of players who are actually on the ice for them this season, even though they've met the cap floor 
um, mm. because of players on um, long-term injury reserve or players who've been injured recently. Um, that's like a good 20 million <laughs> below um, yeah. the, the average. It's, it's not, Melnick is the systemic reason why mm-hmm. the Ottawa Senators um, may not ever come to cup contend again to the point where people may be able to get lucky like the team did in 2017. And that was such a fantastic run for us that no one I think expected. Yeah. Um, but since Daniel Alfredson left in free agency on July 5th, 2013 to the Detroit Red Wings, um, seven, almost seven years ago, that was, I think the first big sign that like, Oh, things may not actually ever get better. Um, and I think the gutting of a team that did not have to trade Eric Carlson and did not have to trade Mark Stone, um, I think, is worrying, even though the team is has re-signed Colin White and Thomas Shabbat, two of the new young, new generation sends, to long-term mm-hmm. deals because players do not have rights in this league when they are um, 22, 23, 24, 25. And yeah. not everyone wants to sit out, and it's very against hockey culture to sit out and ask for money. Um, so I think until Melnick signs a high-profile UFA, there's always going to be doubts. And many, I think, have ditched the team and is why attendance is so low at home this season, um, because Melnick is is the source. Yeah, it's such a bummer. Like, you hate to see it. I mean, it's, it may be cheesy, but you hate to see, like, a Canadian hockey team struggle to fill a building. It's just... He- not right. how it should be, right? It shouldn't be that way. Right. The fans, when they started that hashtag Melnick out movement, yeah. it was because it. I think we were tired of people around the league maybe thinking that Ottawa wasn't a hockey market. Um, because the team, when it, was, when it was good, regularly filled a building for 19,000 capacity. And it was only from 2013 where Melnick's debt-related issues started to become very big, mm-hmm. impacted the on-ice product, and attendance has dropped. Um, but Ottawa loves their hockey team um ottawa for better or worse for the other canadian franchises have had the most playoff success this decade um, and (laughs) probably last decade um so they're a successful cool market there um i think that's why there's some people around the league whether they're um, smart and working in hockey stats or whether they're just normal folks um who are fans of this team um and it's sad to see what a really systemic owner can can do to a fun and cool franchise yeah uh charlie o'connor who's on our podcast his big idea which i think is is absolutely brilliant is that the league contracts the ottawa senators and then the league awards an expansion franchise to ottawa called the ottawa senators (laughs) we would not mind that i don't think at all it's really seems like the best way forward it would be like the quickest way to solve all these problems but yeah so let's get back into the way this team's been playing um we are recording this a bit early for this Friday night Flyers game. Um, but the last game that finished for the Ottawa Senators was against the Carolina Hurricanes, who are also playing the Sens right now. Um, but you guys beat the the Hurricanes 4-1, to one, and the Canes are quite a good hockey team. So can you tell me what went right for the Sens in that, in that game? Yeah, I think um, Rod Brindamore called it post-game that this was the the big stinker that the Canes threw out all season, and I think it was really obvious. Um, the Sens scored two goals in four seconds, a franchise record. And I think um, while that kind of goal scoring may not always be sustainable, especially for this group that may be a little bit offense-starved, um, the fact that the Sens were able to get on a four-check on a team that has multiple puck movers on D um, is something that's really positive. DJ Smith has been a departure from 
Ricky Boucher, who was our head coach in previous seasons, where he regularly is happy to send two players in. Um, he's moving the puck away more. He's asking his players to move the puck in a north-south manner. Um, and I think the fact that there's six or seven-ish D on this team who can make um, continuous passes, even though they may not always be the best ones, um, is something that's new when Cody CC, who is now a Toronto Maple Leaf, um, you must be that. thrilled about that, right? Oh my god, that was the best <laughs> timeline. Um, they, uh, the Cody CC could not do that and used to play 22 to 24 minutes a night. And I think that's been something that's positive for this team. Um, the youthful energy is also good. And I think some fans, including myself, are still a little um, lukewarm on Smith because the team isn't as young as they're supposed to be. You'll notice when we play you on Friday that um, there are players like Tyler Ennis and Ron Hainsey um, and Mikel Bodker and um, other folks taking up space in the lineup when this team is going to finish bottom five, likely. And our fourth line of Philip Schlappick, JC Bonte, and Jonathan Davidson, um, all still, I think, rookies by NHL capacity, although Schlappick's paid, played games over the last couple of seasons. Um, they were really, really fast and on the move. They've only played between five and ten minutes of ice time, and I think that's a little bit of a worry. Um, but I think the excited thing against Carolina is they were up to the task against a young Speedy Canes team, and mm -hmm. the hope is that their ice time is going to increase, which is only going to be good for the franchise moving forward. Yeah, that was kind of what I read um, about that game, is that the strategy for Ottawa was to match speed with speed, and that seemed to work well for them. Yeah, and that's rare. Usually that doesn't work or you wouldn't think it would work for the for the Ottawa Senators because they don't have the skill of other teams. Um, but I think mm -hmm. Smiths made their tactics maybe a little more simple than Boucher's really detailed plans that the team maybe couldn't put together. Um, and that served them well so far. So if you were going to try and help Elaine Vigneault absolutely guarantee win on Friday... What would you tell him is the most dangerous thing that the Ottawa Senators bring that he'll need to watch out for? Um, the most dangerous thing, I think, is making sure to keep the puck in the offensive zone when, when Brady Kachuk's line's on the ice. Um, his line is always going to be the first line of the Ottawa Senators and mm -hmm. um, definitely the most dangerous threat and a league-wide dangerous threat in terms of getting high-danger scoring chances, high-danger shot attempts. Um, the other thing that you can do likely to bottle up this team is to um, really make sure that when they dump the puck in, whether it's through um, goaltenders acting as a third defenseman or having your defenseman, which Philadelphia has, um, smart puck moving defenseman on the team, either carry or make quick passes up the ice. You can maybe turn those two four checkers into turnstiles really quickly. Um, this team is also really prone to taking penalties. So the old adage of keeping your feet moving, um, skating throughout, a lot of stick infractions have happened over the, the first little bit of the season. And um, it may be a really good strategy for the Flyers to get under the skin of the Senators a little bit. And um, uh, you're likely going to find out you're going to have some power play opportunities. Okay. So just poke at Brady Kachuk a bunch and hope he takes the bait. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> right. And Brady's actually been really good at not biting in that ah. way. Um, and that's like a skill. But you can certainly maybe tick him off and mm -hmm. by virtue tick other hu tick other humans off and um, cause some stick infractions. So you talked a little bit about that fourth line that you guys have that's pretty speedy. Um, is there a, a guy that might 
be like a sort of super under the radar player that Flyers fans may not have heard of or may not be paying attention to that you think will make an impact in this game? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Sens, how the Sens play with Colin White. Um, he is not, um, he is one of the marquee players on the team, I should say, um, but he started the season injured. He had a groin injury from training camp, so his numbers may not look strong because he played with a sore groin for like the first month, um, but he was the number one center last season. Um, and was on the third line when he returned to the lineup against Carolina and is skating a lot better. So if the Sens continue to maybe play him in a reduced role, they may find a matchup that they can exploit from Vigneault. And White certainly has both the skill and the tenacity to to pot something. So um, just because he's maybe injured and maybe will look on the lines to be down, um, don't think that White can't, can't hurt you, especially on a line with... Um, players who have had put up points this season, like Connor Brown and like Vladislav Nemestikov. Okay. Um, any flyers you're looking forward to seeing in this game? Yeah, I think, I think the fact that Claude Giroux is able to do um, what he's doing at his age still is something that's extremely exciting. I very much love the slap shot shootout attempt. Oh, um, so fun. <laughs> that I saw over the weekend. And I think um, I've been really interested myself watching Oscar Limbaum. Um, I think he's a prospect I've followed over the course of like the last couple of seasons and know that he's had up and down minutes, I think, in Philadelphia mm-hmm. um, and watching what he's going to do. And I'm, I used to think that Ivan Provorov was along the same lines of like a Charlie McAvoy type player. And I know he had a, a down season. So watching him in Ghost which I don't know how much of their futures are up in the air with respect to Philadelphia and because I know there are other defense prospects that are there, but seeing his game and seeing if that's changed under Vigneault is something I'm looking forward to watching um, because he always looked like he had tools and I'm wondering and hoping for the game that he's able to put it together and become someone for you. Yeah, he stumbled a bit last season, um, but he has... I Last season, I think... Um the messiness of everything that was going on with the organization really affected the play of a lot of the guys. And I was personally pretty worried about Ivan Provorov over the summer, but he's played pretty well this season. So I think you'll like what you see out of him. And Oscar Lindblom is outstanding. And really the only reason he had up and down minutes is because the previous coach did not think that he was very good, which is kind of hilarious. But um, yeah, he's, he's definitely getting the minutes now and he's earning them. He's looked fantastic this season for us so you'll like watching him too that's that's i'm yeah I'm, I'm really glad i think of of that i think the flyers have always had a really interesting farm system so the prospect junkie in me is um is always looking forward to that and always seeing the play of like a travis konechny who mm-hmm. has local ties in the area um is something that's interesting and the creativeness of Jakob voracek is always really fun um so, yeah, I hope it's a good contest. The Sens and Flyers have had really interesting games and rivalries over the times that we, we sure have been alive. Right. <laughs> um, so I think that's always going to be fun once no one gets hurt. I'm never going to forget that penalty-filled, crazy goalie fight extravaganza that happened between the Flyers and the Sens. It was one of the most fun games I've ever watched. <laughs> yeah, and that game always ranks really high when we or commenters are ever talking about like landmark games and such yeah. history. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to forget that one. No, not at all. Okay, so the last thing I'll ask you 
is for a shot in the dark prediction for how you think this game's going to end up. Hmm. I think that, like, again, I told you at the beginning of this call that Suns fans are pessimistic. Um, and I don't think Andrews Nielsen can keep up his 950. Um, so I'm wondering if this is like a 4-2 contest in favor of the Flyers. Mm. Um, the Suns okay. have run a similar lineup over the, over the last little bit, um, which is good and I think is, has helped them. Um, but I think stumbling blocks happen. So depending, it may be tonight against Carolina because they're a bit angry at us and very good. Yeah. Um, but if, if that doesn't go that way, um, maybe, maybe it'll be Friday against the Flyers. But I feel like these two teams usually trade contests over the last mm-hmm. couple of seasons and maybe Philadelphia will get this one and we'll get the next one. So I have been on a positivity train this whole season and have not yet predicted a loss for the Flyers while doing one of these fun little predictions. 82 widow. Yeah, right? I was I thought for sure we were going to get there at the start, but I guess not. Um, I think that this... I'm going to call this a loss for the Flyers. They're going to be coming off a game against the Caps, which is going to be tough. Um, and they might be... They've been playing so well that they might be due for a stinker. And the Flyers are very good for having a stinker against a team that on paper they should probably beat. So I'm going to say... Something like 2-1 Senators is what I'm going to go with. Interesting. A low-scoring game. Um, A low-scoring game. Okay. In which the Flyers do a lot of dumb stuff and frustrate everyone, and then everyone gets mad. You know how it goes. (laughs) Now, that that sounds like the kind of game that the Sens have played when they've won this season, when Ah. they frustrate other teams and they get mad and do dumb things. Um, So if that is going to happen, I think if the Sens do win, it'll be under that formula. Um, All right. Look at us go being both pessimist opt- optimists for each other. I know, right? Yeah. I hope I hope I'm wrong and you're right. That would be fun for me. <laughs> Ditto. You can, yeah, you can root for my prediction and I'll root for yours and we'll see All what right. happens. Awesome. All right. All right. All right. Thank you again for doing this with us. This was great. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem. And again, you can find Ari at Silver Seven Sons, which is the SB Nation Senators blog. Head on over there to find out some stuff about the team ahead of the game. And the game is Friday, 7 p.m., right? Yeah, that sounds Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. 7 p.m. All right. Enjoy it. Go Flyers.